Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Scarlet's Way are a duo from Western Australia, Perth in fact, whose members are Katie Gable and Shane Savick. They released the EP Open Road in 2017 and they have a new single, Doing It For Love, and we're going to talk about all of that. Hello, Katie. Hello, Shane. Hello, Scarlet's Way. Hey, hey, how's it going? How are you? Very well, thank you. And that's, uh, I was just listening to your EP because I hadn't listened to it for a while and it just lots of lovely different styles on it that all work together and work with your voice, Katie and Shane, obviously your amazing guitar playing. But I thought I would start by asking you both or either one, how did Scarlet's Way form? So Katie joined a cover band that I've got over in over here in Perth that was gigging around Perth and um and started singing in that and then we sort of worked out that we both love the same styles of music and I say styles because there are heaps of them um (laughs) and we sort of started writing uh along the sort of uh inspiration of the tv show Nashville which is like an Americana country kind of stuff that we love um, and the first EP was very much a melting pot of everything that we liked. Katie's a massive sort of Van Halen classic rock fan, believe it or not. And uh, so there was a bit of everything in there. And um, over that was 2017, over the sort of future releases, we managed to work our sound out to get to where we are now, I guess. So what sort of music was that covers band playing? We do as much classic rock as we can. I mean, like we we do all what, kinds of things. Whatever people dance <laughs> to. So I mean, it goes yeah. it goes from Jolene through to Van Halen to uh, Jesse's Girl to um, Eva Cassidy. It's it's all over the shop, really. I think we both love so much music that we, we kind of love those gigs because you get to play a bit of everything. Yeah, just chuck it all in there. <laughs> Look, J- Jesse's Girl does not get enough of a run, so I'm pleased to hear that that's in there because I think people love it. But I can actually understand why Katie um, loves Van Halen because you have such a powerful voice, and so I would imagine you're attracted to powerful singers. But uh, just on the point of the TV show Nashville, were you both watching it at that time or did you just start watching it together? I think we both were watching it. And then we just eventually started talking about it and the excitement of the show just built up when we were talking about it. And we just became so inspired during that time. What we loved, (laughs) what I loved about it, I think, was the fact that country music often cops a bad rap for being sort of, you know, old and dated and stuff. And they were doing a really good job of playing. Because I love organic instruments, Hammonds, guitars, bass, you know, that kind of thing. So some of the stuff off that show was really had roots in blues and rock, which I love. Mm -hmm. Um, And with sort of a songwriting style out of Nashville. So, I mean, I, yeah, it was it was definitely inspirational to, to watch that. So it sounds like when the two of you first encountered each other, it was a meeting of the musical minds, um, but the band's name is not either one of your names, so I'm wondering who came up with it, what's it in reference to? I mean, everyone thinks it's my name. I guess. And she, hey, gets, she, gets hey, her own, she gets her own way a lot, so yeah, it might as so, well be your name. Yeah, may as well. <laughs> <laughs> that actually came from... The Nashville show, we were just like obviously so obsessed with it. And the Australian character that we loved on there with Claire Bowen was Scarlet. So we took that name and then honestly, I wish we had a better story. We get asked this. a lot. Yeah, yeah it's, like- it's, it's the most boring story ever. It just sounds, it rolled off the tongue and we liked it. So we yeah. kept it. I will say way after that. And okay, Scarlet's way. There we go. <laughs> 
But it's not a boring story because there will be lots of people who connect with that because they love that show because they know Claire Bowen's music and Claire has come out here and performed. So I think it's highly appropriate. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so, um, so we've heard already, Katie, that you like a bit of Van Halen. What else uh, have been your musical influences? I guess from childhood. Well, childhood. I so I started doing theatre shows when I was. I mean, like obviously Disney when I was really super duper young. Like Ariel was my favourite. Um, and then I went into theatre. I love theatre. And then I started like like finding things like Van Halen and. Black Sabbath, all the, you know, riff rock. And then I found Bonnie Raitt and the Eagles and I got absolutely obsessed with them and Janis Joplin. And, it yeah, it's honestly this is the biggest melting pot, but I'm so obsessed with all of it. <laughs> so when you started singing, did you have that powerful instrument or given the singers you liked, did you work to develop it? I... It wasn't, listening back, I thought I did have a powerful voice at the start, but I listened back to old recordings and it's actually gotten a lot lower and deeper over time and stronger over time. I think that just comes with like the amount of gigging we've been doing. It's just built up some strength, which is cool to see. (laughs) And possibly also to, to match Shane's guitar playing. So Shane, I'll switch to you and ask you about your earliest musical influences through to now. Cool. Um, so apparently when I was five years old, Countdown was my babysitter. Mum and Dad would sit me in a little bouncer <laughs> and just put Countdown on and I would just sit there and bounce to all the songs, except for Devo. Apparently I hated the flower pots on their head, which <laughs> I, I could believe that. Um, but I started gigging really young. I, I started playing guitar when I was about 12. I played trumpet before that. And then I started playing in pubs when I was about 14. So, and back then in a small country town, everyone wanted to hear your classic credence and and classic rock sort of stuff. And that's where that love that come from. Um, And after that, went and studied uh, contemporary and jazz at the conservatorium over here um, for a few years. Um, So it it has been a melting pot with all kinds of stuff that I like to play. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, play some other instruments as well along the way, a lot of piano stuff and all that as well. So I'm a huge Billy Joel fan, believe it or not. So there really is a heap of stuff that goes into (laughs) our music, I think. Look, I love Billy Joel too. And, in fact, I was listening to some Billy Joel albums recently thinking it's been a while. I thought, man, these songs were smart. Like, you know, he just was was telling stories. They were complex. There were all sorts of characters. They would go for quite a while. He was making historical references, you know, references to the American economy. I thought, Popular music in the United States has perhaps changed a bit since then. <laughs> Completely, yeah. I, I miss those old days of those songwriters. I still love listening to his stuff. We're watching some live. We went to that. They did have a one night where they released the um, live at Yankee Stadium gig mm. in cinemas recently. I mean, Katie went to that. I think we're the youngest people in the room and I'm not exactly young. So. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. <laughs> but, Jane, I'm interested that you started playing in pubs at 14 because I sometimes uh, talk to artists who have done this and I, and I always imagine these little kids standing in these, you know, smoky <laughs> rooms with beer going everywhere and people yelling, play K-San. Uh, <laughs> when you were 14, did it, did it just feel like, oh, yeah, great. It you was know, almost like you were there. You, you literally just recited every gig of my teen years right then. That's exactly how it was. Um, and there was smoking was legal in pubs and stuff. It's amazing I'm still alive. Um, yeah, it was it was a great um, baptism by fire, really. I, I, I learned to hate because you, you kind of, you know, you have to play and things go wrong and you learn to deal with situations and you get a lot of gigging experiences. And I don't drink alcohol now for reasons like that. I think I, I saw so much when I was young that I was like, man, that's not going to be me when I get older. 
Mm. Um, but yeah, learning to play in front of an audience is, is a great thing. And you, you, like I said, you deal with situations you wouldn't have thought was possible. So um, yeah, I wouldn't swap it for anything. I, and, you know, I've never got sick of doing those kind of gigs either. They kind of, there's something about them that is good. It's really good fun. And Katie, where was your first performance in a pub? It was, oh gosh, it was my first one. Well, for talking about like very, very, very first, it was a Little Aussie Smiler competition. I was in it for dancing and modelling and singing. And so I won the ribbons and then I went to States and then mum said I got up on stage, I was about to perform and I cried and I ran off stage. But it's gotten much better since then. <laughs> I don't do that every time now. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember our first, what was our first gig? It must have been. Are you, uh, you probably walked in at the, at the Crown gig. Yeah, cr- uh, Crown Casino. I was, um, we did some great band shows there. It was people, yeah, a, a ready made crowd. It was great. Lots of energy. <laughs> yeah, so, so, well, the, yeah, the casino, that's, that's, that's not the corner pub. That's quite no. a, a venue. <laughs> Yeah, I was learning the ropes in front of a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, yeah. I feel sorry for you in a way. You didn't get the, the same sort of, you got the tightrope version of what we got. Yeah. <laughs> so when you joined the band, was it like you, you saw an ad kind of thing, Singer Wanted, or did you find out about it through other means? So I went to Whopper in 2013 uh, and then uh, I got my lecturer there, got me into Shane's band. Yeah, um, yeah I was gigging with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and then it just hit yeah, 100 miles an hour after that. There was. Yeah. We needed a singer and we auditioned a few and yeah. and, and Katie got the gig. Hurrah. So, yeah, it was cool. That was the start of it all. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had to learn how to play like three-hour gigs and uh, look after your voice accordingly. Mm, I still, I'm still learning that. Yeah. Right. She, yeah. Yeah. She puts a lot of effort into what she does and, and you sort of have to occasionally go, you know, we've got another three this weekend, right? You know, like, you know, so the matter if it's two people or 2000 people, it's the same amount of effort, which is a good thing as a performer, but um, yeah, those, those gigs as much as they're fun could be pretty grueling. Absolutely. It, it is, you know, it's really tiring singing. I remember uh, hearing years ago that it, it, you use more muscles singing than running. So it would be understandable if at the end of a show you're like, I feel like I've run a marathon because you actually have in many ways. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know but that. Neither. Oh, my God. See how much exercise I do? Yeah. I do exercise. There you go. <laughs> I always find it to be a very successful gig when you're just covered in sweat and you're really tired by the end of it. I'm like, that was a good gig. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's when you're so exhausted that you're just like it's a pure channel of energy and performance yes. um so you're talking about playing regular gigs and you do play regularly in Perth um and I'm you know those of us who are not in Western Australia know that that during pan- the pandemic WA was operating under different conditions but musically speaking was it was there an effect on the live scene were you able to keep up your live work um it was it was still tough I think Western Australia probably had it that the easiest out of everybody as far as what we had internally there wasn't as many lockdowns and stuff like that so and being that we do do duo acoustic gigs as well as band gigs and piano lobby gigs and stuff mm-hmm. some of our work stayed there which we were very lucky with um but the things that we love doing the festivals the 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 scarlet's way shows obviously the original stuff traveling um, around traveling getting out of the state all that stopped mm-hmm. so I mean, when we released Right On, which is our last single um, that was right in that pandemic, and it was written about the music industry in general and how it's hard enough to be taken seriously as it is. Um, but when we released it, it was really kind of prime timing, I think, in the fact that the whole industry had been kicked um, and no one seemed to care 
and and mm-hmm. we were sort of left here with gigs getting cancelled left, right, and centre, and not knowing where the next paycheck was coming from. So, I think that was a global thing, and I don't yeah. blame anyone for it. Um, but Western Australia, from the outside, I think people looked in there and went, oh, they're, they're living completely normal. Mm-hmm. And I think compared to some places, we had a little bit of that. Um, but when you when you have bigger dreams of getting out and, and travelling and, you know, coming to festivals and stuff like that, it, you, you still kind of Yeah, feel. you, like, really felt like it was really in your blood and to perform and it just wasn't getting fed at that point. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you really felt it. And I, yeah, I've spoken to other artists from the East Coast and elsewhere, so outside WA, that lack of match fitness, essentially. Uh, when it, and then for you, it would be things like festivals because there is a different level of energy and volume and all sorts of things required to play a festival show. Yes, I really felt that. The first gig that we did back with the band, I was, I couldn't breathe. oh my god I don't have the energy to do this I don't have the fitness to do it Mm -hmm. so yeah there's definitely a bit of that missing after those two years (laughs) I find it very similar and like about the festival thing you know you've got an hour set to play and when you're used to doing longer gigs Mm -hmm. you sort of space yourself out whereas when you've got an and this is a bit the same after the pandemic and getting back up with the band Mm -hmm. the excitement levels and stuff that you're feeling it was very easy to get up there and rush everything that you did um so yeah the whole well-measured performance thing has gone out went out the window for a little while I think hopefully it's back now Mm -hmm. um but yeah that was a very much a thing after the pandemic yeah I would also think just on like a pure adrenaline level because you're because having not done festival shows for a while it would be natural to have some adrenaline flowing but of course that can really muck up with you physically because you've got to recover from it you can feel a bit wonky all of that stuff yeah 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 it's uh nervous energy or whatever they call it yeah i I think we like kind of went oh maybe we shouldn't like talk between songs either like maybe we should get play play more songs more songs more songs (laughs) in there like (laughs) let's just go straight into it But given how often you do play either with the band or as Scarlet's Way, um, all those acoustic shows you were talking about, do you ever need to rehearse or is it just essentially a continual rehearsal? Oh, if it's a corporate event and you're learning songs for it um, or when, you, when you're learning your own material, because obviously we record in the studio, me and Katie do uh, a lot um, and I'll demo everything and we'll stack it all up like a multi-track recording and then give it to our band members and say what do you think you know like and they mm-hmm. you know they have an opinion or you know they go yeah cool and then we go cool mike you can't play your drums and kim you can play some keys and and then we sort of stack it up again with what we're going to keep mm-hmm. so when it comes time to play that stuff live we have to get into a, a rehearsal room and work out everything we've done in the studio because obviously i'll lay a you know eight or nine guitar tracks and there's only right. one of me on stage <laughs> um i've got to work out what i'm going to do to make that work so there is a bit of rehearsal with that. Mm. Um, as a duo, it's, it's pretty cruisy. The amount yeah. of times we'll learn a song in front of a live audience if, if they want. Yeah. Um, so as long as Katie has some idea of how the thing goes and drags the lyrics up and I can sort of go, nah, nah, you know. <laughs> um, so that's that's always good fun. Yeah. It's, it's part of the spontaneity, the spontaneity of live performance, I think. So that sounds like you take requests. Has there ever been a request that has really thrown you? At that point, I think we just go, listen. <laughs> I, I, I love the, can you play this song? And you're like, no, sorry. And they're like, oh, come on, sure you can. It's not. And they start singing it like all of a sudden it's going to trigger some long lost memory where I go, oh, that's right. How, would I, how could I forget? <laughs> and the chords are just right there in my head. Yes, yeah, all along. You know, I really just didn't want to play it. I knew it all along. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I I really enjoy that part of it. Yeah, like, it's cool. Um, when people are engaging, it's it's all just a lot of fun. Yeah, 
And, and they are, are obviously quite engaged with you two because you were named WA Group of the Year last year, from what I understand. So that must have been very nice. It was. Oh, was that 2020? Yeah, 20... 2020. Yeah. Years, I think. yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. Don't, don't, what year I don't know is if it? they did it, Nick, last year because of the whole pandemic thing. Mm. It was the whole festival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's really nice. I, I Awards are a funny thing. It's nice to be noticed. We're glad that someone enjoys what we do. Mm. I, I was talking about this the other day with somebody because we just released a new single. Mm. Um, and I'm happy just to get up on stage if someone claps when we play. Like mm. that makes me really happy. So um, when people take notice and it's 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 cool, but I I don't want to get too obsessed with mm. it in case you get disappointed when you don't win stuff. I mean, like yeah, true. But anything extra is just like icing on a cake. Really, it's yeah, yeah just that extra. Like oh yay. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Shane, you mentioned the new single, which is a perfect segue because that is my next question was going to be about it. The new <laughs> single is Doing It For Love. What inspired it? We actually, so we wrote this during the pandemic as well, around the time of Ride On, and we can't remember how like how, how we wrote it. it. It's all a blur, like uh, those two years. But it's about, so it's about just putting your trust and your time and money into someone and then they just take advantage or, you know, just take you for a ride. And um, and it's, I mean, it's not all doom and gloom, though. It's like an upbeat kind of tune. Bit yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of um, people promise you the world. And I think everyone would have a story about this. It's kind of prevalent in our industry a little bit where, you know, it, it comes to the front. But people will promise you the world and you're like, oh, cool, okay, you know, for the small price of your soul and $45,000 um, and, and you, you fall for it and then you sit back and go, what was I thinking at that point? So this song was kind of a little bit of a sarcastic tip of the hat to those people. Yeah. <laughs> right. So um, because you were talking about, you know, laying down some demos at home, so I imagine when you, well, maybe this is not the case when you write a song do you demo it straight away if you know it's a song you want to record or do you just tend to stack up the songs until you've decided which ones you're going to record I think we've started demoing a lot more lately I don't know if that was this like, is your fault yeah like. it, I mean, it is my fault <laughs> I don't know if it's because we just had so much time for the last few years and I was just you know we'd finish a song and I, I just want to hear it I want to hear like the I don't know drums and everything yeah, yeah and it always seemed to be a really fun process as well because you knew you weren't going to keep those tracks so you just okay. let loose in the studio and do whatever you wanted and stack it all up I thought it was really fun of, of course <laughs> then you get something where you're kind of happy and then you want to try and recreate it or mm, you, and you, can't. There's, there's that you want to keep from the demo and you try and drag across mm. um it is I, I enjoy that I think as a songwriter like I did, it took me a long time to write it took Katie coming along and me sitting there playing guitar which I do a lot um, and her going, just do that again and recording it on a phone and going away and then coming back and going, hey, I write these lyrics and it kind of works with this thing you're playing earlier. And I'd play stuff like that all the time and just forget that I played it. Like it was nothing that I would keep. So um, that's how the songwriter thing happens. So for me, I kind of feel like my worth is more getting into a studio and thinking of those other parts and stacking them all up and seeing mm-hmm. how it turns out. So I enjoy it too. Um, yes. And we're lucky that we have the studio at home and we can actually, you know, save some money by going down there and doing that. Mm. Yeah. So, Katie, when you hear Shane playing something and you come up with lyrics, is it just an intuitive response? Like, oh, I can hear an emotion in those that I want to describe or does a story pop into mind? What happens in your brain at that point? Yeah, what happens? What does happen in my brain at that <laughs> point? I can't actually put it down to one thing. There's just, uh, I guess it's just a feeling of the music he's playing. Like, I, if there's some sort of like riff I'm just like oh yeah that's so cool I want to write something to that and then I go and sit down and I think about 
I guess, I don't know, something that's bothering me or something, you know, a story from a long time ago. And I just make it work to that because I love it so much. Right. See, again, being a huge Billy Joel fan, he writes music first Mm. um, and then writes lyrics later. I, I prefer to see a lyric and go, Oh, I can see what you're going for here. It sounds like it's a sad story or a happy story. And I, I then I can sort of come up with music to suit that. Mm. So it's amazing we get anything done, really. Katie mm. wants music first. I want lyrics first. <laughs> we just sit there and look at each other most of the time. Um, there was one point we were uh, in the studio and Shane said a, a, just a line, a sentence. And I was like, oh, good one. And I'd sit there. He'd, he was still talking. <laughs> about something else I don't know and I was like gotta remember that gotta remember that and then he stopped talking and I I guess I nodded my head and I went to my phone and I wrote down what he said and then I could be present in his conversation again but I forgot everything yeah Yeah. (laughs) everything after that line is gone (laughs) so give so Katie given that Shane does like lyrics first do you ever write a set of lyrics and come to him and say hey I have something for you Yes, I have at some points. And he also gives in and writes music at some points as well. <laughs> Katie, plays, Katie plays a bit of guitar too, yeah. so she may actually have a chord thing and go, look, I've got this and you have a melody and stuff like that. So, Fix it. <laughs> yeah, at that point she usually got a decent verse or a decent chorus idea and I mm-hmm. go, cool, all we're missing is this and then we add to that and, yeah. you know, seems, seems to be working okay. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, so now, what, therefore, what was the process for doing it for love? Which came first, lyric or riff? I swear the riff did. I'm I, so what I can rem- like half remember is we were looking through our old recordings in our phone. Like we've got so many just like short snippets of things. Ideas, yeah. yeah. So I'm pretty sure the guitar part had already been recorded into the phone, and that's how that came about. I can hear what that's based on. Like because I listened to the track the other day, and I was like. I listened to it over and over again while trying to do a music video, actually. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember he, I thought that sounds like something to talk about, like a, a Bonnie Raitt kind of mm-hmm. thing. And I was like, we must have been, it must have been around the time that we were getting that all the time. And I've gone, that's a cool tune. We should write a song like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you maybe you're right, but it, it, it's unlike um, right on where it's like a guitar part compositionally, it, it really is an accompaniment for a vocal. So I mm-hmm. wonder if it happened all at the same time, you know, that's, yeah. So we don't know. No. <laughs> so I actually think the fact that you can't remember means like that you're basically in some kind of creative flow, essentially, that that you're not looking at individual songs going, well, that was this, this beautiful crystal process we happen. It's just always happening for you and that's why you do have songs to record. This is my segue for this question for a new album, which I believe is coming out next year. <laughs> yes. It's been a long process, but, yeah, we finally... Uh, we've got the CDs, we've got, you know, oh, wow. the artwork's done. It's going to be, yeah, coming out early Jan. We're so excited. It's really hot in the heels of, of this single. but Yeah, we um we love albums. We're both vinyl collectors, mm. you know. So the first EP we put onto vinyl, we tried to get this one on vinyl, but there's like a global shortage of vinyls apparently. <laughs> um, so we just wanted a hard, another hard copy and, you know, a decent length thing. The first EP was six tracks. We were unaware that apparently seven's an album, so we, we fell one short <laughs> by, by being uninformed. Um, but so this time we were like, we, we made sure we made it. We got 10 on there. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, we just, I, I really can't wait to actually get out and do some gigs and, and sell some CDs old school. I didn't realise it was coming out in early January, but, of course, that's great timing for Tamworth, where you have quite a few shows lined up. Yeah, we've um fight, we've got, like, a heap of, like, band shows this time around, which we're really excited about. Usually we uh, do a lot of duo stuff, but 
um yeah it's going to be good to perform the new ones as well yeah yeah it's um and it's going to be nice to get out of WA. i mean we come over in was it april or april last year last yeah. year and that was a really fun festival they you know i think people really needed it it was you know right on the back of the pandemic and things were starting to open up again and everyone was like not going to take this for granted and it was a really vibing buzzing. Kind of vibing week yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to it again. Back to the nice 45 degrees in the shade. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know it'll be great. It'll be great fun. We'll bring some albums over. I suppose for artists from the West Coast, Tamworth is an opportunity not just to play and, and see your fans, but also to connect with the industry because we do have this great big expanse in between the East Coast where there are there's a lot of music happening, a lot of venues, a lot of artists, and the West Coast. So do you have a chance usually while you're at that festival to catch up with people? We, I mean, oh, like we, we try really hard. We do catch up with quite a few people, but there's always someone you're going to miss just because you're crossing paths. at the, like, at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, it really is a great chance to catch up with everyone. We, we love it. That's one of the most fun things about it. Yeah. There's so many friends over there and, and we've toyed with the idea and we still are of moving across and spending some time there. Katie's got family up in um, in Queensland. So, you know, to go over there and spend a couple of months and base a tour out of there would be awesome because it's just so much easier and more affordable mm-hmm. than trying to fly out of here. Yeah. Um, but it's hard when you work's here and you, you you day gigs and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, Tam West, one of those times you get two weeks to live as a full-time musician and, and run around and meet everyone and catch up with everyone. Yeah. Well, people can find your dates in for Tamworth and I'm sure for other things on your website. And I'm excited to hear the album's coming so soon. I thought it was sort of vaguely in 2023, no date. But if the CDs are printed, then that's it. It's ready to yeah. rock. Yeah, we couldn't wait any longer. <laughs> yeah. If I had my way, I would have rushed it out. So it's a good thing Katie reeled me back in again. And we've got another single out there, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Well, Katie, Shane, Scarlet's Way, it's been great to talk to you and find out about your latest single and uh, look forward to the album. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.